Well, welcome everybody. It's Sunday night, and we do church on Sunday night. The letter that changed the world, the biblical theology of Romans. Don't adjust your set. I really did want to come back after 56 weeks studying the book of Romans on Sunday night before all of these events transpired. I wanted to come back and finish it up, so we'll be for the next seven or eight weeks on Sunday nights finishing our study through the book of Romans. Tonight I want to talk to you about making right choices when the Bible doesn't talk about your options. I have, I have three really important church life principles from this text that we're going to study tonight. Three principles. The text is Romans 14, 13 to 23. We finished off, believe it or not, six months ago around verse 12, and so we're going to pick it up at verse 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. And he'll explain now what he's talking about. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. In the church, you would have had Gentile converts to Christ. You would have had Jewish converts to Christ. And it would be hard for some of those who had been raised under all of those God-given Old Covenant regulations to just set them aside. And so they would find Gentiles who got saved. They would find the freedom that they seem to have in dietary things, in, in special feast days and celebrations, they would, they would find it hard to adjust to a whole group of Christians not paying any attention to those things anymore. And so you had this division in the New Testament church. Romans 14, verse 15. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat... Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. Here's these famous verses. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 18. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, Let us pursue, here's what you should go after, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Paul now lets you know where he stands. Everything is indeed clean. It's not an issue, eating this meat, that meat. Everything is indeed clean. But it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything. So now he says, I'm not just talking about those old covenant regulations. I'm talking about anything. Don't do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. You don't have to prove to everybody in the church how free you are in Christ. That's not your assignment. 
the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. It's great that you can do whatever you can do with a clean conscience eating these things. That's what he says. You have that freedom. That's great. But some people don't. That's that verse 23. Whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. There's a sense in which the governing principle, I said there were three three principles in this text, but the governing principle for today's text is found not in this text, but if you took the time and went back to verse 5, Paul says each one should be fully convinced in his own mind, eating, not eating. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He's not just saying He's not just talking about stubbornness here. My mind's made up. He doesn't mean that. He he means, he means that each person is proceeding with a clear conscience, a pure, undivided mind, and a quiet conscience before God. That's what he's talking about in our text today in verse 22 and 23. And, And just to make his meaning really clear, Paul actually expands and illustrates this principle in the words immediately following. In in Romans 14, 6 and 7, Paul says, the one who observes the day, so there are special Sabbath days, feast days, the one who observes the day observes it in honor to the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, none of us dies to himself. So the point Paul makes there is both groups need to function clearly with clean hearts and consciences. These are really amazing verses. I mean, they actually teach that in disputable manners. He's not talking now about about committing adultery or theft or homosexual relationships. In disputable matters, a particular action may be righteous for one person, but not for another person. That's amazing. And, And the determining factor is the way each person sustains his conscience clear and pure before God. So two people may choose totally opposite paths in disputable matters, and yet each one can please God because the aim of his heart is pure and clean in what he does. He's doing it in faith. This is such an important overriding principle for abiding holiness and unity in the body of Christ that in today's text... Paul can't let it go. It's such a big issue that he feels like, I've I've got to drill down into this more, talk about it more. And so I have three principles, three principles to govern all our activities in disputable matters where there'll be differences of opinions. Here are the three principles. Principle number one, unity in Christ Jesus is more important than displaying my freedom in Christ Jesus. 
unity in Christ is more important than displaying my freedom in Christ. I get that in Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Stop doing that. Rather, decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother or sister. So, so there are only two options held out by Paul in that 13th verse. It sets the tone for everything. So option number one, the one Paul lists is a restless, strained, mutually judgmental community where people are more naturally tuned into assessing and measuring and criticizing each other than helping each other grow in holiness. That's one way to function in the body of Christ, passing judgment on one another. That's the way he describes it in that 13th verse. Don't be passing judgment. You can do that. You can have a church where this is what we do. We just critically assess, criticize, measure everyone else by our standards of righteousness. That's one option. In the second option, Paul, I mean, it's really not an option, that first one. I'm saying that's one thing people can choose to do. The second option, Paul lays particular responsibilities on the strong. He makes that abundantly clear in verses 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And in the opening verse of our text, Paul uh, finishes his sentence very deliberately on the word he wants to emphasize, brother. Never put, 13, never put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother or sister. So here's, here's the better way to function in the body of Christ. Rather than judging one another, passing judgment, 14, 13, we're still in that 13th verse, he says the better way is never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Act, act like those watching you are brothers and sisters. Remember that they're all a family. Family members aren't all on the same level and don't all think the same way all the time. They don't all possess the same measure of maturity. Remember that. The family of God, Paul says, is real. And it requires just a great deal of care and love. It has to be handled with, with delicacy. Just, just as you don't necessarily expose your children to everything you encounter in life, you, you, you cater, you adjust your freedoms to others who don't yet appreciate them. He says, you don't just have brothers or sisters in those pews near you. You attend to them like brothers and sisters with sensitivity, with love, with devotion, with care. Significantly, Paul knows it's the big concepts that even strong Christians can take for granted and overlook. And so Paul calls even the mature ones, those are the ones he's addressing now, the strong, the mature, to, to retrace our steps back to our family roots. We have brothers and sisters in the body of Christ because Jesus sacrificed all of his rights to redeem them. There, think of them like that. 
That's the path we're called to walk in the body of Christ. So that's, that's the first principle. Let me make sure I'm wording it in exactly the same way as I, as, I, uh, as I was thinking. Unity in Christ Jesus is more important than displaying my freedom in Christ Jesus. That's principle number one. Principle number two. In disputable matters, it is short-sighted and wrong to regulate my actions merely by my freedom in Christ. I get that in verses 14 through 18 in our text. Paul says, Romans 14, 14, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. This weak brother is grieved by what he sees the strong brother doing. Paul says, then you, the strong brother, you're not walking in love anymore. By what you eat, listen to these words, do not destroy, he can't mean that, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. 15, so do not let what you regard as good I can eat this. Don't let that be spoken of as evil. The weaker brother is going to say that. Then he says, 17, here's these well-known words. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. It's really a fascinating revelation of this passage. It centers around some of the most famous words in the New Testament. There, there's something almost melodious and majestic about the way Paul words that 17th verse. I mean, they just roll off the tongue. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's, it's just one sentence, but Boy, does it ever ring true in our hearts. Here's the thing, though. Because the words are so beautiful, they are almost always quoted alone. So as not to be burdened by their context. But that really leads to very easily missing the point of the words. The words usually aren't quoted today with the same intent with which they were originally penned by Paul. You see, Paul isn't using these words to fight small-minded legalism. There are other portions of the New Testament that clearly do that. But that's not what these words are doing. He's not actually directing these words to weaker brother and sister, saying, don't worry about these regulations. He's not doing that. The context is very clear. These words are directed at those who will, who will go ahead and eat and drink and flaunt their freedom at the expense of those who might be offended by their actions. That's the group to whom Paul addresses those words about the nature of the kingdom. It's as though Paul were saying to these strong Christians, why, why are you so bent on continuing with disputable activities when you know other people are going to be offended. What 
Paul would say to the strong, what is so important in your eating and drinking habits that it's worth tearing down the kingdom of God? And then he would say, don't you realize the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So Paul would say to the strong, you're here to promote righteousness in your brothers and sisters, not your moral superiority over your brothers and sisters. You're here to promote peace with your brothers and sisters, especially the weaker ones. You're not here to promote inner questioning and guilt and division and confusion. And you're here to promote joy in your brothers and sisters, not worry and fear and stress. And so Paul would say to the strong, when will you learn that this is what the kingdom of God is all about? Not the display of your freedom in Christ, such as eating and drinking. You can't build the kingdom of God around issues of eating and drinking, but you can destroy it with those disputable issues. Please be more mature than that. That's what Paul is saying. And I'll tell you why I think it's so important we remind ourselves of it. We're in, we're in an, an, a day, a time, when more and more um, we seem to be laboring to stress all of our freedoms in Christ. Just organized religion generally gets a lot of bad press. The church gets a lot of bad press. We're all out to prove we're, we're kind of trendy, cutting edge, a bit radical. There's something that happens often enough where people are proud to make a statement that they aren't bound by the kind of silly regulations that church people used to grow up in. And I get it. There were a lot of dumb rules and regulations. So, so why, why is Paul so adamant on this point? Why does he say to the strong, don't make this about eating and drinking. Don't flaunt your freedom in Christ. Build righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit with your weaker brothers and sisters. Why, why is this such a big issue to Paul? He takes big chunks of the book of Romans dealing with it. And I'll tell you why I think that is, and it's life principle number three as we wrap up. The most important thing is we are never to act against our conscience, and we're never to encourage others to act against theirs. I get that in Romans 14, 19 to 23. Stay with us as we work through the logic of these verses. 14, 19. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, then he says it again, destroy the work of God. He means the work of God in, in the relationships in the church, in the conscience of that weak brother and sister. Don't destroy the work of God. It's not that the strong are wrong. He says everything is indeed clean. You're, you're, technically, you're right. But you're still wrong. Everything is indeed clean, 20, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. 21, it is good 
not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything. So he's not limiting it here. Or do anything that causes your brother or sister to stumble. The faith that you have, that's great. Do you understand your freedom in Christ? You keep that between yourself and God. Don't make a show of this. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. That's good. You can do this, and you can do it with a clean conscience. You don't feel guilty because it's, it's, it's fine. That's good. 23, but whoever has doubts is, is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. There's a, there's a lot there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and boil it down a bit. This is where Paul kind of lays his heart bare now. We finally see the big principle behind the other two principles and all the instructions. In fact, he hinted at where he was going earlier in this text. In the last part of verse 15, he said, By what you eat, addressing the strong, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. And, and I read that and I think, well, surely, surely he doesn't mean that. I mean, it can't be that serious an issue. It, it just, it begs the question, is it really possible to destroy one for whom Christ died? Paul must be exaggerating to make a point. He, he must just mean, you know, you can destroy his peace of mind until he sees we were right all along. But Paul can't mean we can destroy the weak brother in the sense of maybe costing him his soul simply by what we eat and drink. Surely my, my innocent actions can't destroy the weaker brother in that sense. Surely that can't be. Well, consider the same painful thought that gets expressed in verse 23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. Whatever does not proceed from faith is, see the last word, is sin, is sin. But again, that doesn't seem quite right. I thought we were dealing with disputable matters. I thought we already laid it down that Paul said he understood there was nothing wrong with eating and drinking. I thought we laid it down that Paul wasn't dealing with legally defined obedience or disobedience. I thought we were dealing with issues not really covered morally in that sense in Scripture, areas where people were forming their own opinions and practices. And we were. That's exactly what we were dealing with until now. But now, Paul is laying down a scriptural command. And the command is this. In any activity, any activity whatsoever... I must not violate my own conscience or encourage anyone else to violate his or her own conscience. And that's a command by the Spirit of God. And when that command is broken, Paul says, sin is committed and lives are destroyed. I hope, I hope, you know, in Cedarview, I hope we can digest the magnitude of this truth. Even in small, incidental matters, matters left to personal preference, 
we can still commit massive sins. We can violate our faith. We can cause others to violate theirs. And and apparently there's more at stake than the action considered by itself. Here's why it all matters so much. Why does it matter if I demonstrate my freedom in Christ to participate in activities that some weaker brothers and sisters might be offended at? Why does it matter so much? Here's why. This weak brother, this weak sister who's offended by watching me go ahead with eating and drinking in in the sense that Paul deals with them in Romans 14. And so they see and they're offended. One of two things will happen. They'll get upset, angry, leave the church, or they'll see me and they'll go, well, Pastor Don, I've I've respected his Bible teaching. He seems like a pretty holy guy. If he says this is okay, then it must be okay. It doesn't seem right to me, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Well, what if they do, Pastor Don? What's the harm? Here's the point. Somewhere down the road, this weak brother or sister who copied Pastor Don in what I was doing, they're going to encounter another issue that isn't going to be a morally neutral issue. They're going to encounter another issue that might be spiritually defining for the rest of their lives. And they're going to be better trained to go against their conscience when the Holy Spirit speaks because because I helped them go against their conscience in a smaller issue. You see what I'm saying? I I prepared them. I helped them down the road go against their conscience when the Holy Spirit might speak about a very serious moral issue, and they learn that from me. No wonder Paul addresses so many of his his cautions to, to the strong rather than the weak. No wonder he tells the strong brother, Verse 22, the faith that you have, you keep between yourself and God. You have nothing to prove about your freedom in Christ. God already knows about it. You already know about it. Don't let it hinder others from holiness and heaven. Hide it under a bushel more often than not. What a text. What a text. God help us in our church to take those three principles and uh, regulate our behavior by them. Let's pray. Oh, how we thank you, Lord, that, that your word gives us these broad, wise principles for conducting ourselves in every, in every form of activity in the body of Christ. Give us the kind of compassion for brothers and sisters the kind of compassion Jesus had when he gave up all of his rights to purchase sons and daughters. Help us to give up all of ours as we live with brothers and sisters. Ask all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A lot to think about in that text. Join us. We'll finish Romans. It'll be another seven or eight weeks. Join us now for our prayer time.